going to begin by telling um, a funny story about my eldest, Leah. So when she was about nine, um, I had just lost my temper. Does anybody know what that feels like, right? I completely had lost it. And she didn't deserve it. And so I then said, Leah, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry when I'm not a good mum. And I said, it's hard being a mum. And then she said, mum, trust me, it's hard being a kid. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know, no, it is. I know, I remember, I remember what it was like being a kid. I remember all the drama with friends and with school and things like that. And she said, no, 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 mum, trust me. The modern kid has so much more to deal with. You wouldn't know. It's so different now. And then I said, hmm, how? How is it different, Leah? And she said, well, you know, like modern things like phones. And I said, Leah, you don't have a phone. <laughs> and then we burst into laughter. <laughs> Sweet girl. Um, so the verse we just read, I'm going to read it again quickly, it's very short. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. So today is Mothering Sunday. Mothering Sunday is, has so much meaning to lots of people. It can be a painful, a painful time, and it can be a joyful time for, for others. And actually, it was originally, it was meant to be, it wasn't even about mothers. It was about how um, Christians would go home to their mother church and they would get mothered. So today, I actually want to talk to you about how God mothers us, but also mainly about girls and how much God loves girls, because there isn't any better day than today. So give me a whoop if you're a girl here. Whoop! Okay, bigger, come on. Whoop! Yes, it's good to be a girl. Right, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to be teaching about how Jesus actually treated women differently. So different than most of the people around him at that time. And how you can actually see this as such an encouragement to us women and to our men and as evidence of his kingship and love for us. So, I'm just... Um, we're going to first look at how Jesus showed people around him and the world how he viewed women to be equal to men and worthy of honor, respect, and freedom. So, um, over thousand, these 2,000 years, people have studied his words and they've written books and they've um, said sermons and classes have been taught and even leadership models have been developed on the example of Jesus. It's actually obvious about how Jesus interacts with women that his view of femininity was so radical that the religious and cultures leaders of the day were shocked multiple times. So I think it's really important to take note of all the different ways that he treated women. Okay. So what we're going to do, we're going to start with the genealogy of, of um, Jesus. So God could have chosen any family line for his son. But the women that he selected in this lineage were picked for a reason. So their DNA was um, that the DNA of Christ that is shared with women, they were fierce, 
They were daring and they pushed cultural boundaries. They were the rebel women of the time. And they were willing to do whatever they believed was right, no matter what the personal cost. So in his lineage, we have Rahab. She was a prostitute, but she risked her own life to have Israelites, to save the Israelite spies. Then we have Tamar. She was willing to be unconventional, and she was deeply loyal to her family. Then Ruth, she bravely went against cultural and even racial expectations. And then, of course, Mary, who, was, who bravely accepted and gave her life to God's big plans. His ministry was financially supported by women as well, and that was unusual. We're given names like Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, but actually passages imply that there was a lot more women as his followers. Um, And we all know the story, but when the religious leader brought an adulterous uh, woman in front of him, and she was forced to stand up in front of everybody, in front of a group of men, and um, as a means of shaming her and testing Jesus. But Jesus defended the woman in a very public and bold manner, and he gave her forgiveness. And there's so many other examples, like when Jesus crossed the gender and race divides and he spoke to a Samaritan woman, offering her salvation, and he delivered Mary Magdalene from the tormenting demons. Then he healed the woman with the issue of blood that had plagued her for so, so long. He taught women disciples as his disciples. He provided them with opportunities to serve. And he even held them up as examples in his parables. Then when he was hanging on the cross, Mary, his mother, who birthed and raised him, and it would be hard to even imagine what she's going through right now, but actually classic Jesus, he thinks of her and not him and she puts her under the care of John. Jesus mothered his own mother. So he shattered cultural expectations. Jesus treated women with respect as worthy children of God. In 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it says, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And this was all so countercultural. But why has it taken so long for the world and the church to catch up on Jesus' view of women? Across the world, women are seen to be seen as less. Um, Even in England, one of the most advanced countries of the world, men working in, for example, the NHS Trust, Um, they're still getting paid more than their female peers. A study recently has just found that the UK has the largest female health gap among the G20 countries, and it's the 12th largest globally. That's shocking. And women still fear walking on our streets alone. And what's worse is that girls of colour get treated, judged differently. The recent incident of a girl, a schoolgirl, getting strip searched while on her period in a police cell is absolutely shocking. If you read it, it's shocking and not right. 
and then the murder of Sarah Everard by a police officer, of all people, should not be happening in our country. But God sees these horrific crimes. And in Isaiah 49, it says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. God wants a mother, all these women. So the world, church, and even ourselves, I think, don't view women how God views women. Because we are all image bearers, both male and female. Over the last 2,000 years, women have often been forgotten, dismissed, judged, and thrown away. But God has always been saying a different story. And we know this because Jesus told it, that women are not forgotten, that they are honored and remembered, cherished and loved. And those who think that there is still not a gender bias, I have a book for you. It is absolutely fascinating. It's shocking. Um, and I was shocked at just how unequal our society is um, and still towards women, even after all this work that we've done over 2,000 years to fix it. We still actually have a long way to go. And this is the exciting part. As a church, as a church, we are called for justice. We have just finished a sermon series about God. God's kingdom. And in God's kingdom, inequality because of race and gender would not be happening. The second, the second Jesus was born, even conceived, Jesus was modeling this through women. Towards male and female, 2,000 years ago, he was modeling how much he loved women. So we've got to keep ushering in this into, our, into, this, into God's kingdom. Um, there's a, a lady called Dorothy L. Sayers, and she was an English crime writer and poet in the olden days, as I will say, but in 1918, 1893. And she said it's quite, it's quite long, but I, I think it's really fun. It's really good. She said, Perhaps it is no wonder that the women were first at the cradle and last at the cross. They had never known a man like this. There had never been such another, a prophet, a teacher, who never nagged them, never flattered or coaxed or patronized, who never made arch jokes about them, never treated them either as the woman, God bless us, or the ladies, God bless them, who rebuked without querulousness and praised without condescension, who took their questions and arguments seriously, who never mapped out their sphere for them, never urged them to be feminine, or jeered at them for being female, who had no axe to grind and no uneasy male dignity to defend, who took them as he found them and was completely unself-conscious. There is no act, no sermon, no parable in the whole gospel that borrows its pungency from female perversity. Nobody could possibly guess from the words and deeds of Jesus that there was anything funny about woman's nature. 
This is love. Ephesians 5.2. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself to us. God displays both a fatherly and a motherly character towards us, the ultimate parent. You might have lost your mother, or you might have been let down by your mother, or maybe you wanted to be a mother. But to God today, God wants you to know that he knows and he loves you. He wants to mother you today and teach you how to mother. Um, on Friday, my father, my brother and I, we went and saw my grandmother, who is 99 and in her last days. Um, but she's a great grandmother. And together with her husband, they served Jesus their whole lives. They were missionaries with Transworld Radio. And they raised four boys and they lived around the world. So it was very hard at first to know what to say to her as she was lying there. But I just felt like I had to say this over and over. You've done a great job, Granny. God is so proud of you and he loves you so, so much. And it hit me when I looked at her that actually at the end of your life, you become a bit like a baby again. And what do babies need? They need love. And when we're called home, God is waiting there with his arms open. God is both father and mother, and he wants to father and mother us. So I'm sorry, but I'm going to spoil the end of Easter as it's coming up. But so um, Jesus rose, which is amazing. Whoop! And um, I think it's just the coolest thing ever. So us girls... We need to like hang on to this. This is amazing that of all the people that he first saw, the first people that saw him rising from the dead were, were women. Isn't that amazing? And it's so beautiful, so beautiful that Jesus met women. And then it's so amazing that he commissioned they were the first evangelists. They were the first people to be commissioned was a woman. Is that not a deliberate affirmation of womanhood at a time when women were not regarded as reliable witnesses? And so it just brings me on to, I just find it so puzzling why the word feminism is seen as quite a dirty word. I just don't understand that. Because... It's meant to, it means seeing men and women equal. And I think Jesus was the first and the most ultimate best feminist. And if our perspective um, of women isn't like that of Jesus, then we need to take that to God and we need to ask him to help us. Because the world, the world is still gripped with sin. There's, it's unjust, there's fear, there's pride. And as Christians, we need to let Jesus' love for women be something that we can boast about. That Jesus was a feminist. That he loved and honoured both male and female. So today I've spoken to you about how Jesus loved women. But actually we are all, we are all children of God, male and female. Cherished and known. And in a bit we're going to be singing 
a song, Who You Say I Am, Child of God. And as we sing these lyrics, let's shout them. Let's shout them out loud as a declaration of who we are, because we are children of God. We are chosen, not forsaken. God is for us, and we are free. And as we're singing them, let's declare them, not just for ourselves, but really declare them for our own children, for the children of this church. Let's declare that they are chosen children of God and that they will be forever under the wings of their creator.